Hello and welcome back to the Rovers Chat Podcast. It's episode 18 in the week where Rovers had Derby Day Wars once again as a young Rovers side fell to the last minute defeat and the same issues arise. Rovers going to the international break sat 12th after a mixed bag. From one injury crisis to another, the Rovers' medical rooms getting quite full at the moment whilst the owners are investing money just to keep the lights on at Ewood. We'll have all that covered on this week's podcast and more and it's time to introduce the co-host. Mark, I'll come to you first. It's always Mark who gets first shout. So how are we, Mark? Um, I preferred having a game on Friday, so I've recovered a little bit. I've obviously cried myself to sleep after all the abuse from the Preston fans. But then seeing the Premier League table yesterday, how much of the day too cheered me up somewhat. But yeah, so I'm all right. Going into a new week, we're okay. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Sunday made it a little bit better. Mike, how are we doing? Are we good? Yeah, it just feels like Groundhog Day, doesn't it? It's the same old stories all over the pitch, on the pitch, off the pitch, Derby Day losses. It's getting a bit boring now, isn't it? It is, yeah. We'll go into that. We'll start with the Preston game, of course. Uh, the only game we've had since we last recorded. Rovers fall to a 2-1 defeat after going behind in the first half with a really well-taken goal from Alan Brown. I think we can all agree on that. Smodic's put us level, but then Liam Lindsay's late goal meant Preston took all three points now. Mark, I'll save you from getting more abuse from the Preston fans after the match reaction. Mike, what were your take on the game? Did Rovers deserve anything? I thought so. Um, I mean, it was it's a game where it was obviously men against boys at the time with Preston. I thought that they were, you know, trying to bully us off the ball quite a bit. But that's that's EFL football, isn't it? You can't complain. Uh, but once again, I mean, twenty-two shots, only five on target. That. That tells a story on its own, um, but yeah, it was just it was just such a shame to to lose it the way we did because I did feel like we could have gone on to easily win that hitting the bar a couple of times as well, and like Mark had uh, put in the chat about uh, Volstead with the uh, first goal, he didn't cover himself in glory, did he? Um, so we're just talking about the same things over and over. And I know we're going to talk about the fact that we have a young squad. I think this is one of those games where having a young squad really went against us. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you referenced, I think that's where the frustration comes from. I was speaking to a Preston fan, well, someone who was in the Preston end, but he's not actually a Preston fan. And he was saying how he thought we were the better side than the Rovers had all this. And then it got into the box and it's a different story. And that's kind of been the story of the season, hasn't it? That if you could play just between the two boxes, we'd be more than up there. But when it's come to finishing and defending its cost. Does Mark, now you've had time to sit down, reflect, have a little cry about Friday. Have your thoughts changed on anything that you might have said in the post-match reaction? Not really. I've listened to Alan Brown's comments and he said it like Mike said, he said it was men against boys and he said it, you know, he wasn't having a pot. I don't think he was. I think he was right. I think they were we know what Preston are. And I stand by my comments really. I think they are a championship team. And that's not me having a pop at them. They are very good at what they do and they are pretty much 7 out of 10 every week. And and that's from 1 to 11. And and that's a good championship team. And that will be enough to beat most championship teams because they're consistent and not many teams in the championship are. But we've got players like Morant, who probably isn't a championship player archetypally. We've got some young lads who fluctuate in terms of performance. And, and I think they got bullied at times. But that said, we were the better team, but goals win games. And that is our Achilles heel. And, and we've got to get better at it. You know, I was I was 
not impressed, to be honest, with that defending. And I don't like having a pop at them too much because I think we all, you know, we could appreciate most of the play. But that defending in the 90th minute, one pass to to take out six of our players is not good enough. Not good enough at all. And then Liam Lindsay basically had a free run and a free header. Um, it's not good enough. And as much as we can defend them, and I will do, I think actually there's a point where Thomason was right. It was as much to do with that that's just not good enough and it's it's naive. We've got to get better finishing, but that's we've not got a striker really on the pitch there. We did have defenders on the pitch. Yeah, if you can't do, you know, if you can't be the ones that score three or four, you've got to get the basics right. And unfortunately, Rovers didn't do that. One thing I wanted to mention was the three strikers that Preston had. That, I think that was a signal to me and Memphis boys. You've got Osmagic, Wilkeen, Ched yeah. Evans, three who I wouldn't argue were brilliant championship strikers, but they do the job well. And that were ultimately, I think, Rovers downfall. When Ched Evans came on, I thought the game really swung in their favour. I don't think Wilkeen or Osmagic did too much, but I thought Ched really changed the game. And I know he's hated as it is in football, but in terms of that performance, for me, I saw a post that he loves playing against Rovers and he does them kind of strikers always seem to beat Rovers. We always get beat off these big, bulky strikers that aren't the best of players, but they do the job. Uh, and yeah, definite frustration going around. Obviously, Rovers will be back in action after the international break as we travel to Stoke uh, on the Saturday and then we play Birmingham at home midweek. So we'll go into that next week. We're just going to go over a few different topics to kind of cover ourselves as we go into this international break. The first one's players on international duty. Rovers have six players away uh, on duty with the countries. You've got Arno Singleton with the senior Iceland squad, Andy Moran and Zach Gilsenham with the Ireland under-21s, Adam Wharton, England under-20s, Junior in Sangu, Poland under-20s, and Tom Aitson, Northern Ireland under-19s. Now, Mike, I wanted to mention Singleton. He's not had a great time really since he had that start where Ipswich and QPR and Cardiff in the cup. How do you feel about him going away with his country? Is it a good thing for him or could he maybe done with a week at home, a week with his feet up and then kind of refresh? Um, I think it's, it, he could, do, we being selfish, this is completely being selfish, we could do with him with us, not just the resting, just to actually get tactically aware. I just feel like he's not on the same page. When he first came across in that first spell, he looked like he was making the kind of runs, cutting inside and everything. He was reading Smodics really well. He was he was just doing everything how you would want him to do. It was quite an exciting player to watch. Obviously got his very early goal against Ipswich. But then he goes away with Iceland and comes back. And it's like he, he was just a completely different player. He wasn't linking up anymore. He was making mistakes. And yes, OK, he was lasting that little bit longer from a fitness uh, point of view. He just wasn't linking up with anyone. So from a selfish point of view, I just wish we could actually have time with him on the training pitch with the rest of the lads actually creating some uh, some better relationships and forging relationships with the guys he's going to be playing with week in, week out. I was impressed with him to start with. There's something not quite right with him. Um, and I, I just think it's going to be one of these where time will tell. Yeah, it definitely feels... I just feel he's lost his way, but it could be a positive for Rovers in terms of when his contract actually expires or it's going to expire and Rovers can get in there and kind of make a move. Now, another issue and kind of linked to the Sigurdsson uh, bit is the injury crisis. Joe Rankin Costello's out for three months. Hayden Carter should be back for the Stoke game, but then you've got Dom Hyam at centre-back who's 
out for five, six weeks, we're expecting. Sam Gallagher, we don't know when he's back. He's had a setback. NC Pears, we're looking at the end of, probably the end of this month. Ryan Hedges next year, Sam Barnes next year. A lot of injury wars. Now, injuries are a tough topic. We come around in different ways. But what it does provide is a bit of a chance for other players to get the goal. We've seen Scott Wharton come into the side in recent weeks, other players. Mark, do you feel there's anyone who can maybe take advantage of this injury crisis that Rovers are having? Because let's be honest, we're down to naming kids on the bench again. You look at that bench on Friday and it was Gamble, Aitchin and Batty, the back three on the bench. So is there anyone who can yeah. maybe make the most of it? I think if the defenders wise they were going to do and going to get a chance, they would have done over the last couple of weeks. Although I said that mean you went to the twenty ones at weekend, I thought Jay Batty actually looked a lot better than he has done recently. I thought yeah. he looked like he, he was a senior footballer on the pitch. I know he got sent off, which was um <laughs> daft, shall we say. We'll leave it there. But he um he did look like a senior footballer, he was taking responsibility, he was carrying the ball, which was good to see. But I think it's going to be in those forward areas, and I think Tyree Stolen's doing that. I think he would have possibly, given his pre his early season form, dropped out of favour. Had Sigurdsson, Gallagher, Leonard, Ennis even been fit, I think he could have dropped away. But he hasn't, and he's taken his opportunity. And I think Harry Leonard will continue to get that chance because, like you said, you know Sam Gallagher. Are they talking February before he's even back in full training? Uh, Ryan yeah, Hedge is similar. Yeah. Yeah, this is what's concerning me. A lot of these injuries are non-contact muscular injuries. So either we're pressing them too much to do too much too often, or they're not getting the right coaching, they're not looking after themselves right or something like that. I mean, I could be looking into this far too deeply. It could be completely unlucky. But you've got hamstring, hamstring, calf, uh, hamstring, thigh. And then there's two there's two with ankle injuries, which obviously you can't necessarily protect as as well. But there's a lot of non-contact muscular injuries happening there, and it is a little bit concerning uh, for me that the backroom staff might not be doing what they need to do to keep these players fit, especially when you have such a small squad. Well, that's the worry, isn't it? I think John Dole's fitness regime with the players has kind of come into question a lot. You know, we know they play a lot midweek. We know uh, they're practically always playing. He's used them a lot in the 21s when we send them drop down. You know, Samir Talalovic was a prime example of that, obviously on the bench at the weekend, and we'll go into his situation. Injuries are tough, aren't they? Because you've got, obviously, your impact injuries that you can't account for. People getting injured, yeah. it happens. But there are a lot of muscle strains, you know, a lot of knocks. It just, it doesn't seem... <laughs> You know, there's an obvious option for it, uh, an obvious answer for it. Sorry, and that's the, I think that's the frustrating thing. We'll move on now to, we'll take a look at the young squad in a hot topic of the week. The advantages, disadvantages yeah. of it. Now, Rovers have a young squad. We we know that everyone knows that it gets put everywhere. John Dow mentions it a lot. Mark, will I'll give you the advantages section. What do you think the advantages are of having this young team? This team that mm -hmm. are coming through the academy a lot of them you know what are the positives of it i think for the ones that are coming through at the moment it's the fact that they are used to the way we're playing so they can slot into the positions easier so we've seen that haven't we with um 
with Harry Leonard, for example, he's been playing that number nine role for the 21s. Then he comes into the first team and he's asked to do very similar things. I think that's one. I think as a club as a whole, you've obviously got people partly that have grown up to, to know the style of play, but grow up to know the club. They're familiar with what you're asking of them. And I think fans probably give our homegrown players a bit more time. And you potentially don't expect as much of them, which can be a positive and negative. But, you know, it, it, rather than somebody coming in at £5 million and you're like, you're judging them straight away, you kind of give them a bit more time. I think ultimately it's the fact that we know that the lads are giving everything, which is, you know, can happen with players that are coming in that you've bought, but you give them that time. And then also the fact that we would expect that they're going to get better year on year. So you're looking at it and going, right, well, they don't have to be the finished article now, but they're going to improve. So you look at this season and you think, right, well, we could go and get a loan, we could go and sign X, Y and Z, but actually Volstead might not be the finished article, but had we gone and signed a Simon Eastwood to tide us over, is he going to get that experience if he's not playing? So whilst EA is going to make some mistakes and we're riding through it, he should be better for that next year. I think it then comes for players that you judge them almost a year into it. So Harry Leonard's still going to have that grace period this season, isn't he? Because he's young. This time next season, though, if he carries on, you know, and he gets 30 appearances this season, we will expect more of him again. So I think that it, it's the time the fans give and then the fact that they should, should see this evolution as a club. But there's negatives. Of course, yeah. No, of course, there's, I think, obviously, for Rovers as well, we're, without a doubt, Rovers wouldn't have such a human squad if we had the money as well. That's a key point. It's a cost-effective way uh, building players in and, you know, returning for value rather than, like you say, spending £5 million on someone. We're developing our own. It's, you know, the academy costs, what, £4 million a year minus the grant we get from the Premier League. So it's, it's definitely a, a cost-effective way. Mike, I've given Mike the advantages. Well, say the disadvantages are of having this young side. I'm sure we've seen a few of them, you know, in recent weeks. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of research on this today. So you'll have to indulge an old man here while I go on a little bit of a rant because I, I 100% agree on everything Mark said, but there are some quite big disadvantages. So the first thing I would say is football in real life is not FIFA, it's not football manager. You know, you can't just easily go and buy young players. They come good. You sell them on for loads. There's a lot of mental aspect that happens, isn't there? You know, they've got to have that confidence coming into games. If they have a loss, they need to learn from it. And for me, the disadvantage is we have such a young squad that it can actually break confidence a game like the Preston game. But if they haven't got leaders around them that help them learn from this, that put an arm around them and just say, look, this happens, shit happens in football, you know, but look, I did this when I was younger and look what happened to me, whatever, you know, these leaders, they have nothing like that. I don't know what the coaches are saying or anything, but ultimately it, it is experience, but it could potentially be a negative experience rather than making the negative experience into a positive. So what I did was, is I actually compared squads from when we was last promoted, which was uh, 2001. Now, I know the game is completely different now, um, but you had the average age of the goalkeepers were 31, defenders 28, midfielders 24, attackers 25. The players 30 and over, Friedel, Short, Peacock, Stig, uh, Kenner, Berg, Grayson, Hughes, McKinley, McAteer, 
um, Ward, and I think Berkovich turned 30 that year. So it's quite a lot of experience there, and a lot of players that actually ended up being really good players for us. And that doesn't even include, and let me bring up my uh, the rest of them, is the likes of Flickcroft. You know, these are Lee Carsley, Christian Daly. These are proper leaders. These were captains of the clubs that they came from and captained us as well. You know, really big players. Now, let me talk about the current squad. So the current average age of the goalkeepers is 24. Now, I don't believe, I believe, um, sorry, that keepers get better with age as most people do. Mm -hmm. But then you've got defenders, 23, midfield, 23, attack, 23, which obviously gives us an average age of now 23. Can you name one player over 30 in our squad? We don't have one. So straight off the bat, our oldest player is 28. Now, I know that you're getting a peak at 28, but you're, you're, you're in your peak. You're not, you haven't had these life experiences in the squad. You haven't missed out on the playoffs and realised that the next year you could get promoted. You know, so all of this kind of happens. You know, you get the energy, but naivety with younger players, whereas you get so much leadership. And I don't think Travis is a lead. I don't want to be Travis bashing. And I don't know what Hyam's done in his career previously, but I can't point to many players in this squad that have done anything at championship level, which the young players can lean on. They're going to make mistakes. Who's there to say to them, it doesn't matter. This is a learning thing other than the coaches. You respect your coach for what they're teaching you, but they, they might not necessarily have learned. I've said about John Dahl Thomason as well. You know, and sorry, I'm ranting a bit here, but John Dahl Thomason, he played for some massive clubs. He doesn't know what it's like to be in the championship trying to come up through the playoffs. You know, you need to have horses for courses. And 30-plus-year-old players, they add the stability on and off the pitch, on the training ground. They're showing these guys how to look after themselves and so on. So I think there's a massive advantage of what we're doing. I think it's brilliant. The resale of the players is there. I absolutely adore how we do things. But there is nothing to be said about getting some seasoned pros, like your Ayalas, like, but more of them, in through the door. And it's lost money, I get that. But just to put an arm around these players and say, like, you can't handle the pressure, I can. Let me take the brunt of it. Yeah, and you Mark. mentioned that experience. I've just, sorry, Mark, I've just run through no, the yeah. squad. In my head there, you've got Conway Bennett, Mulgrew yeah. Graham, Paul Downing, Corley Evans, Paul Caddish were experienced in that squad. There's a lot of talent there that's also experienced. And I feel you see it with Rovers during games, don't you? There's times when you feel, yeah, you know, Harry Leonard, I know we can't go out and buy a striker for money, but some of the chances Harry Leonard's had, I've been like, someone who's had five years experience takes that chance. Yeah, And that's a big worry for me. Sorry, Mark, what were you... No, I was just going to say, Mike, just run through the average age of the team that, I mean, it, it didn't over surprise me, the team that went up. Because obviously it was a different story then, wasn't it? Like you said, football was different, but also Rovers were big spenders in that division. We probably had the biggest budget. Um, but just, just go through the average ages again. Okay, so I think I think I know what you're going to get at. But goalkeepers and defenders, goalkeepers were average yep. age of 31. Now, Friedel was actually 30 and defenders mm -hmm. were 28. So they were yeah. the elder statesmen, you could say. Um, yeah. And then midfielders was 24, attack was 25. So the attack's not much different, is it? But Janssen was the main one there, and he's had a, a year in the Premier League with us and Palace, hasn't he? And then a year and in a the huge talent. 
huge talent. And he, and it was, well, it was, well talent. It was going to go on to yeah. play for England, wasn't he, really? Yeah, dump and dump. Again, Damien Duff's almost forgotten about football terms. Probably the best left winger in the Premier League, potentially. I mean, some people will still point to, to Ryan Giggs, but... Um, and then you've got... <laughs> well, yeah, but I think Duff... <laughs> how, how many players played for a, a poor nation. I'm not having a pop at Ireland, but I'm saying he went to the under-17s World Cup and won the player of the tournament. Brazil were in that tournament. Go and have a look who was in their squad. Um, so, that yeah, they were special talents, but what we're missing is exactly what that tells me. And that's what I would have thought is probably a keeper. I do think you need a keeper with experience personally. However, you know, they are a different breed keepers. They work together. They support each other. So I think that actually, you could say it's dead money, but that would bring the other players on to me. So actually it's an, almost another coach in some ways. And then yeah. those centre-halves. To have those centre-halves, I mean, we think of Scott Wharton as being experienced, really, and he's not when you look at how many league games he's played. But if you had a couple of centre I remember us bringing in Henningberg, and then Craig Short was already there. We brought Henningberg in, and Friedel, fair enough. But Henning Bird, the difference he made, just calming stuff down, just relaxed everybody. And when you're under pressure, somebody at the back that does that and gives you that confidence, you can't be beaten. And then, like you've gone on to there, Dan, the League One season, yeah, we had Charlie Mulgrew, who got us through some of it. But actually, Danny Graham, in those key moments, was as, as important as anybody. Because he had that calmness and that experience to carry Dak through, who was quite new to it as well, carry some of the other players. And if he'd have got through, Harry Leonard's movement is tremendous. And Harry Leonard, I do think, will make a very, very good striker. But actually, when the pressure's on in those moments, he's not used to handling that pressure. Danny Graham was. And I think no, that's no, no, where that's it's a, coming down to. And that's exactly it, because he had that experience of being in so many situations in so many games that when it comes yep. to the them high pressure situations, it's like muscle memory to him. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Ma. I've just had a look through and you look at Rover Striker up since you've got Sam Gallagher's made about 160 champ appearances over his career. Maybe not many, is it? These numbers might not be high. No, and then you've got Nile and who's just us and maybe the odd one in a spell he had a few years ago. Mark Andy, just with us. Harry Leonard, just with us. Uh, Simita Lovic, what's he had for us? Four or five. You know, you're looking at it, there's not 200 appearances between that. And even as you move back into the midfield, you know, you've got you've got this Monix who, you know, one of the more experienced players. Tronstad's not playing much in England. I know he's had a good start. Sigurdsson's not playing in England. Dorland's probably the most championship appearances in the midfield. <laughs> I'd say in yeah. more hedges, probably actually it'll be Dolan more, won't it? Because he's been here longer. So maybe Travis. At all there. Yeah, Travis, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's evident to see. We know, I think the key point we've got here is we know Rovers can't afford to go out and get that experience or haven't been able to get it because otherwise we would have. John Doll's mentioned yeah. it. John Doll's gone on a lot about it. But ultimately, we need it, don't we, Mike? That's it. We need that. That bit of experience. Yeah. I, I think you hear so many, you know, we all listen to lots of different football things and the amount of times you hear that actually the dressing room sorts itself or these issues were sorted in the dressing room um, and I just don't think we've got that. So, yeah, mm. I think they're fully behind the manager and the coaching staff and they're getting these messages from them. 
but there's nobody from within. There's no Elliot Bennett even just sat there going, listen, yeah, do you know what? When, um, like you talked about, Danny Graham, perfect example. He will be able to turn around Terry Leonard and go, listen, I was flying when I was at Swansea and I thought I had the world at my feet. But then I went to Sunderland and this happened and then this is how I got through it. And just those sorts of things, reinforcing them when they've had tough times as well. Corey Evans, yeah, this is how I got up over it when I had my injuries. You cannot beat that. My concern is that we do need that experience and, and he's talked about that. I think there's two issues here. One, if we actually can't afford that, I get that. How much was Daniel Ayala asking for when he's gone to Rotherham? So if it's purely down to the fact that, because we seem to have agreed things with Danny Bath, you would say, if it's down to money, I get it. If it's down to somebody non-football based saying, do you know what, you're not signing somebody above 28 because there's no sell-on value, then that's a big issue I've got. Yeah, that's naive, isn't it? Yeah, because that's, that's you're losing, of running you're losing the value you are you are, you get. Yeah. It's not tangible. That actually might run on to the others. And if if that's coming from ownership level or above as a strategy, no, we need people who can you can make money on. That is like you said, naivety of not understanding what yeah. they bring to the younger players it, and the value the value they bring to the younger players. Well, that's the thing. It depends on the focus of the club. If the focus of the club is to get promoted, you can't do it. I mean, I don't want to do the Alan Hansen, you can't win anything with kids. You can win with kids if you have the right kids. And yeah. we, at the end of the day, we've got Liverpool one side of us. We've got Manchester the other. You know, we've got all these clubs around us that can take all these top talents that we are left with top talent. And we've talked about it on previous pods that need to be worked on, you know. So we're trying to bring on players that already have something that, you know, they're not quite ready and we're trying to make them championship ready and we can't do that. So if the focus of the club is to get promoted, you need to find some way. And, and you made the point there about Ayala. I was, I was going to mention that when he was talking because he obviously was a good pro. People mm -hmm. respected him, you know, he's done quite a bit. Okay, you know, he's had his injury problems, but that's not necessarily why you pay the money. And I think this is why when Dak's contract was up, I was one of the ones saying, well, actually, I, I would keep him on, you know, if the money's right. Now, it didn't. It sounded like the money wasn't going to be right. Um, but you need to keep some players around just to put an arm around them, other players, because you look at our squad, and I mean, I'm, I'm still looking at this 2000, 2001 squad. I mean, geez, what, what a squad that was. I mean, they're all yeah. ex-captains or they ended up being captains for squads. Yeah. I mean, even, I'm looking at the 25-year-olds, you know, and on, uh, onwards. And there's so many leaders there. And I just don't feel we've got any. I mean, Schmodick's being a captain. Is he a captain? I'm not 100%. I don't see what's happening uh, behind closed doors. But I... I don't know. I'm old-fashioned. I like my captains to be nice and um, professional and everything. I'm not saying he's not professional, but, you know, the, these characters which are just professional. The goal against Preston would not have happened if we had leaders on the pitch. No. Um, just one last point is you're talking that right and i think that's how i've always looked at it that if we're going to get promoted and, I, and i've kind of been you know i don't think we're not not that we're not trying to get promoted but i don't think that is the aim i think they are trying to bring players on however have a look how many teams now in the premier league 
have gone and signed somebody to just play in their 21s because of the impact that has. Why is Tom Huddleston playing in Man United's 21s? That's not to get them promoted. So Cheers. if they and, and how many how many staff do they have? So if yeah. they feel the benefit of having that old pro in the dressing room, I mean Daniel Ayala, who better to talk to Sam Barnes? I know you've got injured again, mate. This is how I got yeah. through it. Yeah, no, that's a good point, that my Andy Cross from Brighton, uh, Ollie Lancashire went to Southampton. You see it a lot, don't you? When Tom Heaton's yeah, at United, is he still? Yeah, well, we saw Mark Hughes, didn't we? He was 37. Yeah. You know, yeah. and who signs a 37 year old? You know, but he ended up being an absolute masterstroke and. You know, there's some there's some players that have been in the prem that they've been in the championship. They feel like they've got that one last thing in them to prove a point. They're not necessarily looking for a payday. They just want to play at a good level. Why? I I, I know that money's an issue, but if if this club wants to go forward and start being taken seriously at the top of the league and stop these silly things happening, we need experience. Yeah. Definitely a thing. Now, but just before we go on to Mike's mailbag, we'll just mention the money that went into the club. The Venkies have had a bit of a uh, a bit of a process in India. Everyone knows what's going on. They have been given permission to put money in the club. I just wanted to get just quick, uh, quick, generic, uh, quick generic feelings, Mark, on the investment. Mm -hmm. Is it feeling a relief? Is it? I know it's expected, but how do you feel about it? Um. I suppose there is an element of relief after seeing it in black and white. There's an element of, oh my God, it's cost £11.5 million from October yeah. to December. And then my overriding feeling, if I'm being perfectly honest, is what happens in January? So do we have to do the same again? Now, nothing you would hope would change in terms of the club because they've said that the club have, they've not found anything suspicious, basically, and they're happy with the running of the club at the moment. So you would imagine, once they've done that once in the High Court, unless something dramatic changes, they will approve it again. However, that's still in the hands of a High Court in India. And if that doesn't get approved, who's paying the wages? And Greg Broughton openly said he wouldn't go through another... It was either a transfer window or he couldn't do another summer one, but working day-to-day. -day. Well, that's exactly what he will be doing in January. So... We've got a problem. Yeah, that's it. We'll cover it as it goes along and as the story develops in the coming weeks. We just thought we'd mention it. We don't want to want to leave things off. We'll also mention the lead ticket debate that's been going on on social media. We'll mention that next week. But now it's time for one of the favourite parts of the show. You all know what it is. Let's get to it. Nice little sing, Mike's mailbag. 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 It's Mike's mailbag. I still can't get used to it. I love it. Love it. Right, we've got four questions this week, boys. So the first one, I'm going to actually throw to Mark first. So Luke Core asks. What do you think the club will do for its 150th year anniversary? And what would you like to see happen? Wow, yeah. And it's a big, um, what would it be, 30 years from us winning the league as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a few years off us, off Jack Walker having passed. There's lots of things up 
2025, sorry. I think I think they'll do a, a scattered event, I would imagine. I think they'll do something similar. So we had a commemorative kit, did we? Was that the 125th year? Yeah. I would imagine something like that. Um, personally, I, I, I'd like to see some, some events with the fans, some, you know, we have a lot of the interviews, don't we, with players that from the 95 era, it'd be nice to have some more coming through. Uh, it's a tricky one. It'd be interesting to know what the fans want, really, because ultimately they'll be able to get, you know, our feedback now will be able to go to the club. There will be time for events. I know they've started planning some. I know there's talk of events happening, uh, but I don't think there's anything set in stone necessarily. And... I mean, there's always been talk of a Rovers Museum. If you were ever going to do that, that would be the time. It's whether there'd be enough interest. Um, I don't know what are you guys thinking. Dan? I'd, I'd just like to see events, like you say. I think getting different groups of players back. You know, we've got the mm. positive of having this club is there's a lot of good players, past and present, we can get in and get stuff in. Just things to get the fans involved. I think the fans enjoy that stuff. There's always a good reception. You know, the Dak and Livingston that did well. Uh, the Gaston and Conway one, all the ones they've done in the past. So just events like that, really, for me. We know they'll do a kit. It's almost a guarantee, isn't it, that they'll bring stuff out that you can buy because money talks. But, uh, yeah, a few events as well. Yeah, that's the stuff I'm looking forward to. I need a new shirt up behind me and some nice memorabilia. Um, I like my limited edition stuff. I'm still looking for a 125-year anniversary shirt that fits me. But I don't think they made them that big, to be honest. So, um, but yeah, I think I think the thing is, I, I just want it. I just want it to look like they've made a massive effort because it's for the yeah. fans more than anyone else. And if the owners can find a way of doing something, spruce up Ewood Park, like make it shine, yeah. whatever. Just just do something to make us look like proud. Proud to be 150. Because mm. so, there's not many clubs that are that old. What's your thought on the um, Spurs legacy numbers? Obviously, we get that in cricket a lot, don't we? I like that. I like it a lot. Someone did them on Twitter. Someone started doing them. And I can't think who it was. So apologies to them. But yeah. I mean, to sure be fair, I if you explain were... to that in case, just explain, just in case there's listeners so... that don't know. Right, so they, they've gone back in history and they've found, obviously, the first 1-11. to 11, And that so the goalkeeper, the first ever goalkeeper was legacy number one. And then they've carried that all the way through to the present day. And then the next person... So let's say um, we have somebody in January who signs and we're up to... We've had 863 players that have made an appearance, for example, just top of the head, I'm not saying that's what number. Then so January we signed somebody else and he makes a start and he's 864. And it carries on like that. So they've got a unique number for the club. Uh, the problem is, that would, yeah, that would give Dan another mastermind subject. So need oh, you know, Raheem Harper's Paolo George. <laughs> He'll know him off by heart by the end of that. You know them now. Give me a week. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think it's going to be exciting. We, we trust the club to do something. So moving on. So Dan, Dave Whitaker, he asked a bit, bit, a quite big question, but I think one of the, the the second part of the question I might ask next week. So this this one's quite important, I think. Do we think Telelovic will be loaned out in January? Now, there's been a couple of things said by JDT. What what's your thoughts on it? No, I don't think he will. I know we'll go into discussing why he's not being used, etc. Uh, I just feel that. Well, I don't think we'll be in a financial situation to sign another striker, I'll be honest. I think that's 
the be all and end all. If we had the money to go out and get someone and someone could come in, then yes, but I don't see anyone coming in. So short answer for me is no. I mean, you've seen him live a few times now. Didn't you? You watched him with his hat trick, didn't you? Did you? Did you see that no. game, hat trick game? No. I no, mean, I do we think he's got something about him, or is this just a risky signing for three hundred and fifty thousand? I think we know it's a risky signing. Though. I think we said at the time, didn't we, that because we can't go out and buy someone who scores goals, you know, like where Leeds went out and bought Joel P. Rowe, we know he scores goals at this level. We couldn't afford Jerry Yates even from Blackpool. It was a risk and I know it probably isn't going to pay off, but there's many times, well, there's times when it will pay off and it'll be worth it. Look at Kaminsky. Kaminsky was still a risk to come in and he had a very dodgy reputation when he come over from Belgium, actually, and he went and did well. So it's just a risk Rovers are going to have to take and when money gets into the club and hopefully when this situation resolved, I can see us just doing it again where we go out and buy a 300k strike and try and turn him into hopefully 30 million, you know, something like an Armstrong signing. Everything's just a risk for us because we can't go out and buy proven talent. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I mean, Mark, if he was loaned out, would you be shocked? Would you be upset? You know, how, how would you feel? I think it comes down to why he's not playing now? JDT's talked, hasn't he? About he's he's looking at the runs he's making on and off the ball and trying to get him to press properly. I think we're not going to be able to sign another striker, but he's not even coming off the bench. So I think we've sent Jack Bale out because he needs to go and score goals, doesn't he, at a professional level? If that's what they want from Telovic, then he probably does need to go. Um, I could see Niall Ennis going on loan more though. Because if he goes and gets some goals, they could get some money back for him. I think what we've got to mention is the fact that, you know, Preston went and paid, was it three million euros for Osmatic? Um, a club it, record, weren't it? Yeah, he's a similar player in terms of style to Telovic. And, you know, we would, they paid tenfold roughly what we've just paid for him. And he's still a gamble. My only concern is he doesn't look like, you know, we do, a, the way the club, recruit, they do a data analysis and filter out with the way that they want somebody to be playing. So if they want a striker who's fast and pressing, they filter out the players that can't do so many sprints. Then they watch clips of them, then they go and watch them. He doesn't seem to fit the way we play, just from what I've seen. So I don't understand quite how he's been filtered. He looks like a striker a bit more like would suit Preston. Yeah. Well, this well, this is actually flowing into the next uh, question. I'll I'll uh, I'll actually ask this one now that Phil Sutherland said. Why do you think JDT refuses to play the strikers that were brought in? So this was something where, like you said, he'd, he'd had a bit of an interview, and some of the key things about Telelovic was he said he was delighted for the hat trick uh, for the under twenty ones, and he's happy with the work he's putting in, but looking to change his skill set and fine-tuning for championship football and getting used to that intensity. So it's exactly what, you know, you two were saying, isn't it? That he needs to adjust the way. Because when you pay 350000 for a striker, you're not going to tick every single box. You are hoping that you can get some of the boxes ticked later on. And that's exactly what he's saying, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, and I, my only thing is, and I don't want Rose to change the way they're playing. I don't want us to just throw it out and go... But there's a time and a place, you know, Preston at weekend on Friday had been playing 3-4-3. They came to Ewood and they played 
1-2. And they play Dwayne Holmes right on Tronstad and Wharton in that middle of the park and put two strikers rather than playing one striker and two. I'm not saying we even should adapt our formation, but we've adapted where Smodic's plays to get the best out of him. There's a time and a place to bring a to bring Telovic on to try and get some of those headers. If you're not going to do, then there's no point in being at the club because you can't completely change the way somebody plays. You can change elements of it, you know, the way we praise Harriet Leonard's closing down and the runs he makes, but you can't completely change the way someone's playing. So, no, I mean, one, one thing I, um, no, exactly. And one, one thing I, I wrote down, it was like, you can, you know, you can only create meals with the ingredients that you've got, can't you? And, you know, <laughs> Rovers have a small larder to pick their ingredients from. And sometimes you do think that if we've gone and got these players, why doesn't JDT change the way he plays when he uses them? Just to give other players a, you know, a chance to actually shine a little bit and then adjust them into the game. So, for example, you know, you've got Dolan playing a number nine at the moment. He's having to adjust the way he's played. But Telelovic can't do that. So, Dan, do you think that, you know, just to give a bit of respite for the rest of the squad and to give these guys some first-team minutes, should we change the way we play just a little bit? It doesn't have to be massive for these players to adjust. Yes, if it's not going to affect us, like you say, if it's not going to be a massive change, then I'm all for it. I think you've got to tweak. I think you can have your way of playing, but you've got to find that way. You know, Russell Martin's not changed his way of playing at Southampton, but they found that way of changing it to winning games. Uh, so for me, you've just got to tweak it a bit. I wouldn't go out of the style we're playing now, but I try and just fine-tune it and tweak it, which we should be doing anyway, because... We should always be looking at getting better, you know, rather than just being happy with the way we are. Because teams work you out, you know. We've always criticised mm. Rovers and that in the Plan B. I think Tony Mowbray did it perfectly in League One when we went down. We tried playing passing football, <laughs> and then he realised we're not playing passing football. Teams will just batter us for it, and then we went back to, you know, the lumping it up top to Graham knocking it down, and it works. You have to find that way of adapting, and if you don't. You know, your opinion changes the, of the manager pretty quick. We know football's fickle. So, for me, it's got to keep changing. And if it gets the best out of Semi or it gets the best out of Harry Leonard or anyone else, then I'm all for it, personally. The only saving grace, sorry, right. the only saving grace for them is, because at the minute, I'm looking at both Ennis. I think Ennis does some things well. And I tell Lovic, I can see the strengths he's got. The only thing I think is... Sorry, because at the minute, it's looking like why have we signed them? They don't fit. Is if you look at, and I'm not saying JDT is Pep Guardiola, but you look at Guardiola, he brings players in and they play such a style of play, he says they almost need six months a year to get used to it. And actually, we have seen that with JDT, haven't we? We've seen Tronstad, a relatively, for us, experienced player, have some time out, get used to it. We've seen it with Rankin Costello. We've seen it with the other players. So... I suppose that could be what they need, in which case you wouldn't loan them out. That could be what they need. They could need to just get them used to the way we're playing. Is that all it is? Which is why you see Dolan, all right, he's not a central striker, but he's kind of doing a better job than they would at the minute in JDT's eyes. That might be all it is. You know, what JDT's actually said about Ennis, 
he said obviously he's had his injuries issues he's he's out of shape and building fitness but he says he's doing well but it could take three months so it's exactly what you're saying mark right. and okay. like you know he, he's just one of those players that we're just going to have to wait to develop into what we need i mean dan mm. you've seen ennis play again is he the kind of player that you think will uh, be a, a rovers player for seasons to come I think he has his place. I think when we see him play fully, from what I've seen of him in the 21s, he gets in his position well. You know, I, I went and watched the Stanley game in the Cup and both finishes weren't brilliant, weren't excellent striker player in terms of running past four and putting it in. Well, they were excellent striker player. They weren't excellent footballing player. And this is it that he just gets in them positions. And that's what we've kind of said all season, that mm-hmm. if Rovers had someone of the ilk of Jordan Rhodes who knows where that position is, we'd be doing much better. So the hope is, can Ennis in three months' time come in this side and affect it? Whether, well, Rovers probably won't be in the playoff race then or discussing it, but if that gives him three months going into next year, then we could be talking about something set up to go into next year. So that's the key thing for me, that we've got to give him time. Sammy Smodic is your prime example. Barely yeah. got a kick in the yeah. first five months. Played in that game at West Ham because he was a second-string player. Yeah, no, exactly. But we've had some great questions there, guys. Make sure you get them in. We read the comments. Uh, anything on Twitter, any way that you can get questions to us, get them in. We get them on a list and we'll uh, answer them each week. But that's the mailbag. Perfect, Mike. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll get into the final bit now, the quiz time. Uh, and it's career mm-hmm. paths again. I'll be hosting it. It'll be Mike versus Mark, like we did last week. So say there's 10 teams and you get it on the second one you'll get eight points nine points i forgot how we do it now uh nine points wouldn't it yeah if you get it on the first one you get 10 as we work our way down so are we ready uh, yeah do you want I'll our buzzers oh we need our buzzers go on mark i'll let you go first i'm gonna go judy murray judy murray and mark i was literally gonna say judy murray um i will go peony Oh, Mark, come on. Yeah, but since they love me, I'm going to shout out PE several times in this quiz. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, I've got 10. We'll get through and we'll see uh, how well we do. We might only do seven. We'll see how time goes. It depends if they get them right. Just for your reference, just seeing all that and being fair, they go right from the earliest player was 1987 and the latest player. 2023, so... 1987. Is when they first joined. Right. So, let's let's get into it. So, first player started off at Aston Villa. He then went to Bristol City. He then went to Blackburn Rovers. And then to LA Galaxy. And then finally, where he's currently at, DC United. Oh, my God, we should know this, shouldn't we? Well, yeah. Do you want the years he was at Rovers? Oh, is it? um, Sorry. Uh, P&E. Is it Derek Williams? 
It is yeah, Derek it is. Williams. Yeah, it fair is. play. Yeah. One point there. Uh, I completely forgot Mike. he came from Bristol City, which doesn't help the situation, does it? <laughs> Susie said what? Aston Villa, I was out. I'm not, I'm not answering this. I'll tell you what, Mike, they're having a great run of form. Champions League this year? Yeah, let's carry on. <laughs> right, I'm, cha- I'm changing my buzzer. I'm having Unai Emery. Right, come on. Put, it'll put him off. Uh, so we'll start off with... Uh, we'll use his first youth academy one just for so he started okay. Holger Borg's BK. <laughs> Where was that done? Holger Borg's. I bet you I have absolutely butchered that. Uh, then he went to Blackburn Rovers. Unai Emery. Go on, Martin Olsen. It is Martin Olsen. That is fair play. Six points there. Uh, Mark, so you're up to seven. And then after Rovers, he went to Norwich, Swansea, Helsingborgs, BK Hacken, and now he's at Malmo. Just won the league. That's just won the league. Oh, right. We'll move on now to a player who started at. Oh, I'm going to murder this, aren't I? <laughs> Daya Raff. Daya Raff. Daya Raff. Daya Raff. Uh, then he went to Mulder. Unai Emery. Go on. Pedersen. No. Then from Mulder, he went to Manchester United. Then he went back uh, to Mulder on loan. Oh, then dude. he went to Blackburn Rovers on loan. Oh, it's um, uh, Unai Emery. It's, um, oh, no. Uh, Mamé Baramjouf. It is Mamé Baramjouf. Oh, God, yeah. I'm having Six a Mary again. I'm not good at 13-year-old. And then he went to Hanover permanently, Stoke, Hattersport, Konyaspor, and Gostepe, where he's at now. I didn't realise he was still Where was that first club? Dear Diaraf, I assume it's Senegalese. All oh, right, okay. Thank you. Sorry, I haven't pronounced my. Uh, I haven't practiced my uh, Senegalese football club, so I'll make sure I have for next time we play. Uh, so moving on, so it's 13 0 to Mark at the moment. Come on, Mark. <laughs> we'll start off with Dundee. Is it Colin Hendry? It is Colin Hendry. Oh, come <laughs> on. This is taking a piss now. Uh, what? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, Ten points, points there, Mark. Sorry. All right, is, that the 80, is that the 87 one? It's like that we've had so many Scottish players and you've just picked the it's first one. It's because he said, because I think um, Gallagher said 1987. Well. The 87 before, yeah. Yeah. Are we ready Sorry. for this one? No. Yeah. He started off at Blackburn Rovers. He went to Yeovil Town on loan. He went to Rotherham United on loan. He went to Carlisle United on loan. 
He went to Fleetwood Town on loan. He went to Fleetwood Town on loan again. Then he went permanently to Bradford. Then he went to Scunthorpe. Then he went to Fleetwood. Who am I? John Ottawa. No, it's not John Ottawa. Then he went to Salford City. No. And his last. No, carry on. Are you sure? Do you want to guess? No, because he didn't start off at Rovers. I was going to say uh, Ben Marshall because he no. played, but no. And his last club is, well, was, sorry, Motherwell. And she's fine, thanks for asking before you start. Who uh, I am, Callum Who? Callum Hendry. No, it's not Callum Hendry. I wouldn't do that. Uh, he actually made 20 appearances for Rovers, did this guy, which is Shocked me. The only the only ones I can really think of that went to Motherwell didn't start with us. I'm terrible at these. Do you want the years you were at Rovers? Yeah, go on. So he was at Rovers. He came through the academy, but he was at oh, Rovers. Uh, yeah, Joe Grayson. No, no. He came through the academy, and he. First professional deal was 2010 and he left in 2015. I'm just on his wiki now. It says, a product of the Rovers youth system, he made his first league appearance in a 7-1 defeat by Manchester United. Supplying the assist for Rovers goal. He went on to make four appearances for the club that season. So he, he made a few Prem appearances. I might have stumped you on this one. This is Josh Morris. It is Josh Morris. I'd yeah. never have got that. 20 appearances as well when we mentioned before the show about... He played back back a bit, didn't he? Yeah, and then Boyer likes yeah. him. And... So Boyer was fucking Salford, wasn't he? Yeah, went to the Under-20 World Cup, the lot. Uh, 24, you're on Mark. I don't, don't think Josh Morris counts. But... Yeah, unless, unless the last one's like... Oh, a massive journeyman. Oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to struggle. Uh, this time to this time to get him. I think. Go on then. Right. So the next one started at start the club start. Went to Huddersfield. Went to, oh, I'm going to butch this. So I have a pick these. Horgesund. Then he went to Vitesse. And then he went to Rovers. Oh, Judy Murray. Uh, Tronstad. Hey! <laughs> I've got one. One point. Yes. We've back in the point. game. Yeah, Worth it to say, oh, Judy Murray. <laughs> <laughs> right, so well done on getting your point, Mike. 
Yeah, don't patronise me, Dan. Come yeah. on, we've learned from I've, last week, didn't we, Mark? I've just had a lot of work. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sixteen. Come on, there's thirty-four points available oh. in these last four. Oh right, okay, okay, one point at a time. He started his club. Uh, he started his career, sorry, at Ordinary's Bold Club. Ordinary's. Ordinary's. How do you call it? Ordens. Bold Club. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, and I am ready. Go on. Is it Per Pedersen? It's not Per Pedersen. He did come from there, I think, though. But go on. He then went to Hamburger. And then to Copenhagen. And then to FC Nuremberg. Or Nuremberg. Then he went to Everton. Oh, JD Murray. Yeah, Jacobson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jacobson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jacobson. Yes. Uh, then he went to Rovers, West Ham, Copenhagen, and ended up Greengamp. And steady. It was steady, like Jacobson. I believe he uh, played alongside Thomason at the 2010 World Cup. Yeah. <sighs> I remember it being a de- like relatively decent signing. Yeah, it was steady, wasn't it? I yeah. can't believe under, he only under made 13, He only made thirteen league appearances. Did he? I thought that, he did we bring Salgado in after him then? Yeah, yeah but Salgado uh, yeah. and Jim Bonder. Yeah, Jim he Bonder. left so we could play. Well, he wanted to leave so we could play in World Cup, but he still played anyway. Uh, so, Mike, you're up to five. And you can still win this. Is that no. more points than Burnley have got? It is. You're on one more. You'd be 19th <laughs> in the Prem table. Depending on goal difference, you might be 18th. Right. Mm. So, we start off relatively short on this, unfortunately. We start with Ajax. Who am I? Oh. Oh. Go on. Danny McCarthy. No. Were you going to come in back? Aaron He's McQuaid. got the other one. Yeah. Nope. Oh. Ooh. Because Aaron McQuaid always stumped me because he actually started yeah. his career. At he had Ajax, a really great career, yeah. didn't he? Uh, then he went on loan to Volendam. Hmm. And then he went to Roder JC. Then he went to PSV. And then he went to Blackburn Rovers. Oh, uh, I am Andre, are you? It is. And then to, uh, back to PSV and then Ajax. So that's three. That's a, he, he was the definition of the player having an absolute shocker and thinking, what have we signed on his debut against Everton? And he looks like he was a million miles off the pace and then turned out to be a Chelsea tremendous signing. Chelsea. Uh, it, Chelsea. But he was horrific, he, weren't he? Yeah, it says he gave away a penalty after fouling John Terry and yeah. then got absolutely obliterated by Drogba mm. by the look of it. Yeah. I think I'm right. I uh, right, so 
It's 27.5. Oh, this is painful. This is the, death by a thousand paper cuts, this. And there is 20 points left. So you're playing for pride, Mike. In fact, if you get this one in the first one, I will give you double points for this one, Mike, because <laughs> I have left two nasty ones. Go on. No, no I imagine. He started off at Partizan Belgrade. And then he went to FC Leon Saturn Ramanskoy. He went where? FC Leon Saturn Ramanskoy, also known as FC Saturn Moscow Region. And I am, right? Go on. It's not, it's not Kalinich, is it? It's not. Then he went to Sporting, Lisbon. <laughs> Portugal, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> then he went to Blackburn Rovers. Oh, Was it Petrovic? Is it now? Yeah. No. He's just come from Sporting. Oh, no, can't be. No, come on. Mark, your comment about where they were from wrong. Sporting from Portugal is wrong. No, but when you mentioned the Portuguese bit, he's wrong. He's not Portuguese, but he's... Related to the player. Then he went to Carparty Lviv. Then he went to... Vodjvadina. What is going on here? <laughs> Who came from Sporting Lisbon? The only player I can remember from Sporting Lisbon is this is definitely not him. Is Alan Mann? Mm -hmm. I know it's that. He went to Levadiakos. I'm just loving you pronouncing these names. Inosis is it? Um, oh, Unai Emery. Is it um, keeper Sander Mieski? No. It's not. Then he went to Chavez in Portugal. Chavez. Huh. And then he finished his career at Budukanost. Oh, um, oh, my. Um, Do you want the years he was at Rovers? This might push it. Judy Murray. Oh, go on. Is it, is it Vuk, Vukovic? Have I got the wrong of it? it? No, it is. It is. It is I remember being excited about him as well because it was a really yeah. exciting name. Yeah, that he was, was a Montenegro captain or whatever, weren't he? He was a good one. And yeah, was, it was like a YouTube yeah. sensation. Yeah. Yeah, he played for, obviously, Serbia Montenegro and played for Montenegro. 45 caps, can't complain. Yeah. Uh, Did I get well one point back. for that? I'll, I'll double it. You can have two. You can be on seven. Oh, cheers, mate. I reckon we should go match play. Yeah. <laughs> well, the final one is 10 points and there's 20 points in it. So, should we go for double points? And you can have it yeah, inside and get it off the first one. Double or quits. I'll let you both have a guess on the first one. He started okay. at Liverpool. Start at Liverpool. Mike, what, what, you go first. Uh, David Thompson. 
No. Uh, Stephen Warnock. No. He then went to Port Vale on loan. Oh, no. Bobby Mims. No. He then went to Rovers. After a great loan spell at Port Vale. He then went to Rochdale on loan. Signed someone from Liverpool. Hold on, and we. He then went to Rochdale on loan again. Oh, Unai Emery, Jack O'Connell. No. How obscure is this one? Before we carry on, how how many can we can we just have a clue on how many times he played for Rovers? He's an icon. He played. Oh, look at that! Incredible. Seven times for Rovers. Oh, here we go. Right. Hold on, hold on. Let's work this out. So he's come through the ranks at Liverpool and after a successful loan spell at Port Vale, we made Rovers have signed him. To sign him. And then and we've gone, so you know what? He's not ready yet. He can go to Rochdale. Twice. He's still not ready. It can go back to Rochdale, which we did with Jack O'Connell, which is where you can see where I'm coming Yeah, that was actually... Quite a good um, scouse as well, weren't he? Kind of. It was scouse, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then he went and, to Southend on Rome. And then he went to South. Oh he... no. Oh Unai Emery. It's Sam Hart. <laughs> All aboard the Sam Hart train. Well done. What an incredible play. I told you you an icon. I said it. <laughs> what? I can't believe you've done that. And what uh, squad number was he again, sorry, so I can write it down? Uh, he was number five, if you want him. Number five, there we go. Written down for future reference. Where, where's he at now? Uh, he's at Sutton, I believe. I think he's had oh, two all, relegations. Have all of them got rid of him? Yeah, he's had two relegations in a row, and I'm pretty sure Sutton are doing really bad in the league now. Because he was with Joe Nutto, weren't he, Alden? Yeah, what a player, what an icon. We'll get him on the pod one day. That's the plan. We'll have a summer <laughs> episode when we've got an international break or over the summer. I mean, let's be honest, even Sam Hart doesn't know much about himself as you do, so why not? <laughs> you leave Rover's best number five alone. Uh, that's where we end off, Mark. Well done. 32 to 7 win over Mike. Mike, commiserations. Apologies to work more Villa players in there. I'll have a think of <laughs> a few next time for when we. Uh, when we go again. But that's where we'll round off this week. Thank you to everyone for watching. A lovely podcast. Uh, really good to sit down, especially with the international break coming up. We'll be back next Monday. Well, recording next Monday. It'll be out at Tuesday at 8 a.m. as we look ahead to the Stoke and the Birmingham games. We'll have a look over the internationals. We'll answer your questions as well. Like Mike said in the mailbag bit, you can go over to Twitter at Robistar underscore, or you can submit your questions in the YouTube comments. Just put podcast question next to it so we pick it up. But that's all finished. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on your victory and congratulations, more importantly, I'm getting some heart right. I'm really proud and I'm, I'd say I'm honoured. Yeah, I'm glad you are. Um, thanks, Dan. You've made my evening. Delightful. Um, Mark, thank you as always. Apologies for the lovely Villa reference with his one appearance for Villa. No, it's all right. To be honest, I'm not very good at these career paths. I don't think I've ever won any of them, uh, but it's all good fun. 
you need to get revising for the next one. I'm sure we'll we'll be back with some more next week. But that's where we'll finish. Thank you to everyone for watching. Remember to hit subscribe for more Judy Murray stuff, for more Aston Villa slating. If you're a Preston fan, welcome to the podcast as well. We appreciate having you on. <laughs> uh, you can find Mike's Twitter in the link below. Go and give him some abuse. But that's where we'll finish. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you soon. Yeah.